This is College Hockey Southwest Weekly, the podcast, presented by College Bar and Grill, online at ilovecollege.co. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is also brought to you by OxyPow, M-Drive, and Behind the Mask Hockey. Now here are your hosts, Scott Strandy, and I'm Tom Callahan. Hello, everyone, and welcome in once again to College Hockey Southwest Weekly, the podcast up here for the Frozen Four. Tom Callahan here, Scott Strandy joining me as well. Scott, it was a long day uh, in Buffalo at the Key Bank Center, but we now know the answer to who will compete for the national championship. The University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs get by Providence College in game one, and then it took overtime, but the UMass Minutemen continue their incredible run uh, as they beat Denver in overtime, and uh, the national championship is set. We could have either a repeat champ or a first-time champ. Well, that's uh, not what I predicted from the outcome, Tom. I don't know how many people predicted that, but uh, as I look at the two sides of the bracket, I see Minnesota's both winning their opening game 2-1. I see them winning 3-1 in the uh, regional final. I see them winning 4-1 in their first semifinal sense the trend at all well if you're calling for a 5-1 final i don't know um i think umass (laughs) was two different teams in their game against denver they looked great in the first period uh they had two five on threes they scored three power play goals they were cruising they looked really really good and then they just kind of left for the second and third period and their coach uh carvel said as much after the game said his team was different uh in Denver. Denver's a good team. Give Denver credit. They they clawed back, they tied it up. And then in overtime, it looked like they were playing with a Super Bowl. The puck was bouncing everywhere. It was craziness. UMass ended up winning. Um so I just wonder is it the first period UMass team that we're gonna get when we see them on Saturday against Duluth or is it the second and third period team or some kind of weird combination? I will say this, Scott, I thought Duluth was consistently the better team against Providence. Providence woke up, um, I think, as the game wore on a little bit more and jumped back into things. But I never really questioned whether Providence was going to win that game. I just felt like UMD was the better team the whole time. Totally agree with you. Since I gave you the the bracket side on the Minnesota Duluth side, let me see if we can reason out the UMass side. Uh, 4-0 in their first regional game. 4-0 in their regional final. And uh, four three versus Denver, as you said, they came out flying. Did they go on cruise control too early? Did Denver battle back? All of possibility, but one thing we know for sure: UMass can score the puck when they want to. They've got uh, obviously you're going to find out today, but I got a feeling you're going to find out the Hobie Baker winner is uh, a Kale McCarr. He's a uh, man. Every time I see him play, a kid looks like he gets better and better. So it's going to be an interesting final. Um, I have a hard time, even though I'm a Minnesota Duluth alum, I have a hard time betting against him at any point because Scott Sandlin, and you had a chance to ask him, I thought a great question yesterday in the uh, in the press conference, that, that they just, they've been there before, right? There's so much confidence on that side. It's not like they haven't seen everything because they have. You know, and you can't account for experience. If you have experience, uh, of having been there and done that, and they have now. They've they've made it to the Frozen Four three times in a row. They won last year. They still have a big core of those guys. Um, there's two things 
that come to mind. And number one, it's just there's no substitute for that uh, as far as trying to show a player what it's like, um, whether it's nerves or jitters or uh, what the pace of play will be like, any of that. For the guys who have been there and have seen it, uh, they know better what to expect than UMass. UMass, the thing they have going for them is perhaps the innocence of the whole thing. They're not supposed to be here. Uh, nobody gave them a chance to to be the program that make, made the Cinderella run, yet here they are. And so to a certain extent, uh, that could work in their favor, and they can say, well, hey, nobody gave us a chance, but yet here we are, and uh, we're going to make the best out of it. And I, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be two different styles. Um, but if you're asking me to pick, I, I think UMD seems to have the more complete and more importantly to me, consistent game. And I think that speaks to um, just, again, that experience of being through the tournament now for the third time. Totally agree. I think it's going to come down to goaltending like it usually does in games like this. And uh, Hunter Shepard, who, you know, you just look at his body of work and you go, oh, my God. But when you see him play game in and game out, he doesn't really do anything spectacular. He's just solid, consistent, there's that word again, and steady. And I think that's what, you know, like that five-on-three they were up against yesterday, he, he was phenomenal, right? But but he's not Joey Decord. He doesn't take the puck behind the net and wing it down the ice very often. He doesn't uh, direct his defenseman very often. He just stays in the net and makes solid saves. Well, and you reference that five-on-three. That was huge. Uh, and again, I, I did ask Coach about that after the game, just getting through that. Um, you kind of felt like if there was a moment, Providence was going to say, hey, we're in this game, we have a shot at winning it, that was it. Um, and they didn't. Absolutely. And, you know, there's, uh, again, there's a lot to be said being able to do those little things to kill that off, to get the saves from your goaltender. And I think Duluth has done that. Um, you know, and I'll tell you what, both Phillips for Denver and uh, UMass, those guys made some incredible saves at times. Um, I mean, just crazy uh, stops on both sides, but it also felt a little more helter skelter at, at times too, a little more wide open. Um, I d- I think if the game does go wide open, I think that favors UMass. I don't think UMD wants to play that style of hockey, but um, again, I they're just a they're a controlled, systematic type of team. I don't think that there's anything um, that they do that's going to surprise anybody. They're just really talented and really really good, and if they play their game. I would say they're going to be uh, a back-to-back national champ, and we'll see the first one since 0405. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that one, but I want to ask your opinion because uh, you being an NHL and basically professional hockey person, what was your thought of the overall play of the tournament? How, how close is it to uh, AHL or NHL hockey? So I will say this. So having followed uh, Arizona State this year and watching the Sun Devils play, um, there were times when the level was really high, and then there were times when I think, you know, the game bogged down a little bit. Um, But at the tournament so far, the two games I saw on Thursday were pretty good. Um, Comparable, I'd say, to the American Hockey League. Um, Maybe not in style, but the pace of the game was good. Uh, both the teams now, there's certainly more mistakes, I think, in the college game. Um, you know, and that's maybe keeps it a little more interesting, I suppose, for fans. Um, but it was a high pace of play uh, on Thursday for both teams. And I wonder if that maybe, especially in the Denver UMass game, that game didn't start till quarter to nine. 
Um, and it really, it wore on. I mean, overtime finished pretty late. You know, it, it was a long game as we got after midnight Eastern time, um, which, by the way, that's that's ridiculous to start a second game that late. I mean, can you imagine if that first game had gone to overtime uh, or even double overtime? You know, then you're pushing the start back to nine, ten o'clock at night. I mean, you should not be playing a hockey game that late at night. Yeah, they should have started the first game earlier, in my estimation. A 4 o'clock start uh, would have made more sense to me than, than starting at 5 o'clock. But whatever, I'm not the uh, NCAA. Yeah, neither NCAA. one of us have any ability to do the scheduling. <laughs> they have not asked us to do that. <laughs> but uh, it was it was fun. It was a typical Frozen 4 from what I saw. I, had, I saw most of it. Um, through my Sling app, I'll give them a little shout out because that was great. As I was moving around, I was able to to keep track of what was going on and saw a good portion of it. So, um, I'm excited to have you there. I thought you did a great job bringing us all the sights and sounds. Had a chance to run into the the Reader family, uh, Minnesota Duluth and uh, Alaska Sea Wolves <laughs> diehard fans. I thought that was really cool. And then, uh, like I said, the opportunity just to to compare the teams and see where they're at and my next comparison for you is, as you saw ASU all season long, how far away are they from competing at this level? I don't think the Sun Devils are that far off. Um, I mean, they, they're they basically from top to bottom, and we did talk about you know how it was nice. They, they had some depth and they had consistency, but the, the level um, of, a, of a UMass or of a UMD is just a step up from where ASU is right now. And I don't think that it's all that far-fetched that as they get the new recruits in and the level of the team begins to come up even more here in subsequent seasons, um, that they're going to be there fairly quickly. But uh, there's definitely, you know, I would say they're probably just that half step behind where those other programs are that are frozen four programs right now. But that's not to say a bounce or a break doesn't get you there. And, Honestly, I thought they were a much better team, Arizona State, in the third period than they were in the first and second period of their their lone tournament game, but that's three weeks off. You know, it takes you a while to get the wheels turning again. And once they did, I thought they actually elevated their game pretty well. Um, but it just, it, it was too much time off between the end of their season and then finally pl- seeing game action again. You just can't replicate that in practice, and I think it hurt them. Yeah, I agree totally. I wonder what, we know the schedule is nearly done, if not complete right now, and they're not in a conference again. So if they're going to get back to this tournament next year, they're going to have to go through probably the exact same process where they'll be in and complete the first weekend of March, and then they'll be sitting around again. I wonder if Coach Powers has ideas of doing something differently, or can he do something differently? Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Um, outside of actually scheduling games for them to play, uh, I don't know what you could do differently, um, and that's uh, that's kind of the the issue there. Um, unless they decide that maybe they take someone who I, I can't even imagine. Could you find a comparable competition uh, for you to play at that point? So um, who knows? Um, it, it's going to be a tough one for for ASU if they have to go that same route again. They will have to figure out a way to pull the rabbit out of the hat and uh, get it going right away in the in the first period because you know, that might've cost him a shot at winning. Absolutely. Well, we know who the two teams are. We know where they're going to play. 
and they're going to start at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So that's, uh, that's 45 minutes earlier, which still isn't great. But um, that game goes into overtime. You're going to be there till midnight again on Saturday. Yeah, and I, I'll be there. Uh, I'll def- <laughs> definitely looking forward to seeing the national champion crown. So that uh, that is on the horizon as well. But uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, Scott and I are going to talk about uh, Hobie Baker, Richter Award. Uh, Friday is the the awards program here in Buffalo for the Frozen Four. Um, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on. So let's uh, come back here in just a moment after a word from our sponsors here on the College Hockey Southwest Weekly Podcast. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena, College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. Featuring daily specials and all-you-can-eat wings on Mondays, College Bar and Grill is located at 502 South College Avenue in Tempe, or find them online at ilovecollege.co. OxyPow specializes in the use and applications of dry and wet-based ozone treatments and services for odor removal and chemical-free sanitizing applications. Not only can they make your sports gear smell better, but they also offer products and service applications for residential, commercial, automotive, and anywhere else there's an organic-based odor, bacteria, virus, mold, or fungus you need to eliminate safely, naturally, and with no harmful toxins or residues left behind. Visit them online at oxypow.com. That's O-X-Y-P-O-W.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. One of my favorite memories is mountain biking with my dad. Barreling through the woods at full speed, bike tires bouncing off rocks. That was 25 years ago. What's crazy is today at 60, dad still does that. You know, he really made M-Drive for himself. He wanted an everyday supplement that would fuel his drive. Yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. He built M-Drive to support the body, building strength and energy from the inside out. We take M-Drive every day to fuel our drive with more energy and more strength. I think it's amazing what Dad built and amazing what he can still do today. In a lot of ways, he's still the guy from 25 years ago, and he's not slowing down. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. It's available at Walgreens, Walmart, GNC, Vitamin Shop, or visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just use the code DRIVE at checkout. Don't let your age beat you. We find your prime with mDrive. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at behindthemask.com. All right, welcome back here on College Hockey Southwest Weekly, the podcast. Tom Callahan, Scott Strandy here with you. And, uh, Scott, it is awards day here in Buffalo on this Friday, the Frozen Four. Uh, later on, the the Hobie Baker will be given out last. Uh, that start that program starts around 6 o'clock Eastern. I believe that's actually going to be nationally televised. Um, before that, we have the Humanitarian Award to be given out and the Richter Award and interest locally for college hockey fans because Joey Decord is one of the five finalists for the Mike Richter Award given to the goaltender of the year. Uh, so it's Decord, Clarkson's Jake Kiley, Northeastern's Caden Primo, Minnesota Duluth's Hunter Shepard, who we talked about in the first part of the pod here, and Quinnipiac's Andrew Shortridge are the five finalists. So um, 
of those, obviously only Hunter Shepard is still playing at this point. Um, I'm not a fan of the fact that the NCAA keeps your statistics going through the postseason and allows that to count towards your season totals because once there's four teams or two teams left playing, obviously only one or two guys can continue to up their goaltending statistics. But um, that's a pretty stout list uh, right there. There's a there's a lot of goaltending talent in college hockey right now. Um, Shortridge had a heck of a year. Um, I think he's got to be one of the guys in consideration. Hunter Shepard had a heck of a year. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Decord, Kylie, Primo, I don't know if those guys overcome um, the numbers of Shortridge or just the, the sheer, I guess, star power of UMD uh, and Hunter Shepard. So uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, I got so many that I don't know if we've got enough time to go through them all, but let me throw a couple of things out. First of all, there's a big tie to the desert southwest. There's Joey DeCord, of course, from Arizona State. But uh, we also got a chance to see Jake Kiley from Clarkson uh, during the desert hockey classic. We saw Hunter Shepard from Minnesota Duluth during the classic. So uh, more than half of the five finalists were actually here in the desert in late December. Um, when I looked at all three of them, I thought Joey was probably – if not the best, tied with Jake Kiley for the best, the way they were performing. Now, that being said, Hunter Shepard, as I told you earlier, he just gets the job done. He's not flashy. He's not stylish. He doesn't play the puck. He just makes a lot of saves and, and collects a lot of wins. So um, I'm, I'm feeling like Shepard might be the one. I think, it, you know, and you touched on the fact that they carried stats through. If you look at what Hayden Hockey has done right now all the way up to last night's game, um, he's played more minutes, obviously, because he's played more games. Um, he's, he's had an opportunity to, to catch and pass Joey DeCord in, in shutouts. He got eight uh, because of the tournament. So um, I don't know. It, it's, it's a toss-up kind of. I think they're all great goaltenders. When I look at Shortridge, he's pretty solid. But when you look at his numbers, he's nearly half the minutes played of a Joey DeCord or a uh, Hunter Shepard. So, you know, how do you judge that if you're playing half the minute? Right. But, I mean, a 1.51 goals against and a 940 save percentage <laughs> are pretty darn impressive, if you ask me. And uh, that's that's hard to, to get past. I mean, would he have been able to play every single game and post those numbers? I mean, who knows? And there's there's no way to settle that argument, right? Um, so, but the numbers are are incredible um and i mean decord played every single minute and scott as you said probably his candidacy was hurt a little bit by that last weekend up in minnesota where um you know asu just did not have a good weekend whatsoever and and they uh, allowed more goals and were were used to seeing them give up and and that kind of inflated uh, joey's numbers to the negative yeah it definitely did I, I don't think there's any if about it i think it definitely did hurt him um you know, he, he was down six players with the flu. He was down his leading scorer with uh, Johnny Walker being out. So Joey wasn't his typical Joey that weekend. And you know, give up five goals two nights in a row. Uh, that hurts everything. That hurts your goals against, your save percentage. It, uh, it, it hurts your win total. I mean, he could have had 23 as opposed to 21. So, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, I had a nice visit with Joey that's up on the website now on our new our new series called What Drives You with our sponsor, M-Drive. 
and um, he always pretty candid about everything and and he's satisfied i mean i asked him i said were there times you thought about coming back that you know yeah it was a difficult decision but in the end he felt like he'd done everything that he could do and and it was time to move on and more importantly the ottawa senators stepped up and made it uh, a good deal for him all right three two one and that's what we're seeing, Scott, and what it comes down to for a lot of these guys. Uh, you know, Joey Decord, hey, Ottawa made an offer to him that he felt it was time to take and to move on. And, um, you know, uh, talking about the timing of this as some guys come through and they play well. And, and uh, Short Ridge is another one, signed with the San Jose Sharks as they come out of their college seasons, whether they're drafted or even some of these guys who are undrafted. Um, you know, they'll start to sign some entry-level pro deals here. And if they feel it's a time to come out, um, that's exactly what they're going to do. So uh, it is the award show Friday here at the Frozen Four in Buffalo. And so the Hopi Baker, um, probably the crown jewel given out, uh, Adam Fox of Harvard, Cal McCarr of UMass, and Jimmy Schultz of St. Cloud State, the three finalists. Uh, Scott, I would say the buzz here is all around Kale McCarr, everybody seems to feel like this is Kale McCarr's award to, to I guess, lose. But uh, the feeling is that he's going to be the guy walking away with the Hobie. Well, you know what? If it's his to lose, he did nothing to hurt himself in the, in the game last night. He, he's a fantastic hockey player. And when he gets to the NHL level, I think he's going to be one of the guys that can step right in. I don't think he's going to have to spend much time in the minor leagues to uh, hone his skills. I think his skills are there. He can skate. He's got uh, endurance. He's got stamina. He's got what else? What else can you say? He's got everything, right? And you know, with the, with these guys with their skill sets, I mean, there's a lot of talent at this level. It's an absolute lot of talent. And McCarr yesterday at the press conference uh, after the game, I thought also handled himself well. He's very poised. He's you know able to talk about all kinds of different things and, and handles questions with a plum. He, he, you know, I think he's a guy who can handle that sort of thing. And uh, Colorado's got to be pretty excited. He's a Colorado draft pick. Um, and his D partner, uh, Mark Del Geizo, is the one who scored the game winning goal in overtime. So, uh, you know, Mark was pretty excited for himself as well there. And uh, it, you know, that's he, UMass has something so interesting going on here because they were a five win team two years ago. And now they're playing for a national title. And McCarr, um, one of the things he had said about coming into this UMass program, they said, why did you pick to come here? He said, I looked at it as a challenge. I looked at it as something that could be fun to turn a program around and be a part of that. Scott, not everybody thinks that way. Some guys no, but- want the tradition. They want the winning. They want their best shot at a title right now. McCarr came in and said, you know what? I want to be part of building something. Amen to that. And we have that right here in the desert with the, uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils. Joey said the same thing. He said, you know, when he picked Arizona State, he said, I came in, they hadn't even played an NCAA. When I committed, they hadn't played an NCAA game yet. And I came in and said, I want to I want to be a difference maker. I want to be the tradition. I want to start it. And um, what a job he's done over three years. I mean, could you have asked for a better candidate than him either? So McCard, Accord. I mean, the one thing I like and really have, have talked a little bit about all year long is just the, the way hockey players carry themselves. Um, it, they're different, right? <laughs> they're different from other college athletes, I think, that I've, I've dealt with in the past. Is 
they all seem to get it, if you know what I mean. So, you know what? Um, UMass came here. I had a chance to speak to Greg Carvel a year or two ago when they came here, and he was a big part of um, being a part of growing Arizona State hockey, if you will, because don't forget, Greg Powers has to go out and, and convince these guys to play him because for – and a lot of teams this year found that out. If you come and play ASU and you get beat, that hurts you more than helps you. So so how many times do you want to come and take on a team that's really good, not in your conference or not in a conference, and then see what happens? <laughs> it's kind of a scary thought for some coaches. Well, yeah, and a challenge that, you know, as you mentioned, some guys – and some of those coaches have been very supportive from day one and said, hey, when you get to D1, I'll schedule you and I'll come out and play you. And, and some guys don't want any part of it. So, um, you know, that's it's always an interesting in factor that goes along with that. I also wanted to plug, Scott, uh, you did have a conversation with Jimmy Schultz from St. Cloud State. Um, and so tell folks where they can uh, go have a, a look at that. We have uh, Jimmy up on our homepage at uh, icetimehockeysw.com feature I call Faces from the Frozen Four. Um, I had a chance to visit with Jimmy in Vegas last week, and we, we spent a few minutes just talking a little bit about hockey, college hockey. I even asked him about the Desert Southwest, and now that he is uh, a member of the Golden Knights, what what it means to grow hockey down here at, at every level, not just the professional level, but the college level and youth level. And He was excited for the future in the Desert Southwest. He thought ASU had done everything right, and he thought that they were on the right path to uh, – rolling the game down here well and you know it it's only going to get bigger um and i actually had a chance to talk a little bit with dave fisher from usa hockey who's um presiding over a lot of the the pr here at the frozen four tournament and even he was excited for what's going on he said yeah now we need to get some more uh teams out in the pack 12 to to jump up and and make that jump and we kind of laughed at knowing full well <laughs> it's not that easy um, but you know what? The, the appetite is there. I mean, people want to see hockey grow in that Pac-12 footprint. Now, is the money there, first and foremost, because let's be real, this takes a lot of money. And number two, someone to drive a program like Coach Powers has done at ASU. Um, I think you need both of those in place if you're going to make it work. Well, you hit that right on the head. It's not just about the money anymore. you got to have somebody that can lead them and, and build the team the way Coach Powers did. I mean, he people don't realize what he's done, but he started off with a team that was a mix of ACHA and NCAA players. He started big and heavy and old, he told me, that to be able to hold their own, for example, in their first year or two. And then he transitioned into um, players that were you know, more skilled, more NCAA. This is the first year he told us at the beginning of the year. I, I don't know if you remember that or not, but he said, this is the first year that I've got a uh, – a team that I can consider all NCAA. I used all my scholarships, um, and I've got a roster that that I think can compete. So, yeah, that, it's a big step. UNLV, Grand Canyon, USC, Washington, Utah, you name them. They have to get to that point, and we saw this year in the, uh, the ACHA level that that's a, not an easy task to win an ACHA tournament. And Coach Powers fully believes that you have to com- not only compete, but you have to put yourself out there as one of the best if you're going to do that. Yeah, and that's what Arizona State's challenge will be and anybody else's challenge will be as they you know, want to build a program. But 
Um, by showing success, uh, I think you give the signal to other teams, whether it's UNLV, U of A, anybody else um, who's looking at it from afar. Hey, you can do it. You just got to put the work into it. So, uh, well, let's let's wrap it up here, Scott. Uh, kind of looking ahead to Saturday night's game. I know we talked a little bit about it in the first segment. Um, I I know you're a you're a UMD homer to a certain extent, uh, but I can appreciate that, you know. Um, but in this case, I I feel like I have to back up UMD as far as who I'm picking in this national championship game. UMass is on a tremendous run. Uh, it's a great story, but I just feel like UMD is the more complete team. Now that doesn't mean the more complete team is always going to win, but on paper, I feel like the Bulldogs repeat as national champions. Yep, I'd have to go with you on that one. Uh, it, you know, obviously for UMass, it's going to be like a, uh, a home game because they're only what five hours away uh, from Buffalo, so they can bring some more people up, and I'm sure they will bring some more people up. But as we've seen from Minnesota Duluth for years now, nothing seems to rattle that team. Um, you know, we commented about it earlier that they just kind of continually go out there and do their thing. And, you know, like you commented earlier, Tom, you, you don't want to get into a, uh, a fast paced up and down the ice game because that does not favor the Bulldogs. But they also have the guys that control that. Their defensive core, you know, they're led by Parker McKay, who does a great job. Justin Richards, who has a great bloodline, is, uh, is making his mark as well. So, um, and even uh, Riley Tufty. I mean, there's just a number of guys there that Scott Sandlin's got a balance, right? And I know he told you in the press conference that he was, quote, nervous as hell when that five on three was going on, but he he knows how to handle it. Been there, done that, and not, not take anything away from Greg Carvel and, and UMass, but I think, uh, I, I think this is going the Bulldogs' way again. I think they're a team of destiny, and I think they get it done. Well, we uh, we will see 8 p.m. Eastern on the puck drop. Uh, we know that start time will not be pushed back. It is the only game going on on Saturday <laughs> night here, but uh, we're, we're going to crown a national champion. And, Scott, I do want to say the UMass fans already traveled well. It was loud for that UMass game on uh, Thursday night. And so I expect, with it being a Saturday and a late start and it being, you know, a, a five, six hour drive for UMass folks to get over to Buffalo that maybe uh, it could be even louder and sound like more of a UMass home game on Saturday. I expect the crowd to be very, very pro Minutemen. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And just to kind of tie it back in, I'm looking back to last year, last October 6th and 7th, UMass came out to uh, to play the Sun Devils at Oceanside. And the Sun Devils won game one, five to three. Lost game two on Saturday night, uh, four to two with an empty net goal. So the Sun Devils are right there with a team that's, you know, playing for the national championship a little over a year and a half later. So, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot to be uh, be excited about down here in, in the desert Southwest. And I think the, uh, the UMass program is kind of a mirror image of what, what Coach Powers is doing, right? I mean, they start off with a, a rather poor record, but then they battle back and all of a sudden, they become a powerhouse quickly. Well, we shall see how it's going to go on Saturday. And then, of course, over the summer, Scott and I will be talking about recruiting and classes and guys coming in and uh, putting a, a bow on this year. But a lot to look forward to. And uh, we'll have continuing coverage on IcetimeHockeySW.com. From the Frozen Four here in Buffalo, Tom Callahan on location. Scott Strandy, and uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Looking forward to it as uh, we will have a little bit more. We'll dig deeper into the matchups uh, 
as UMass getting ready to take on UMD and then wrap it all up on Sunday. So, uh, Scott, anything you want to close with here before we uh, we sign off? Well, just good luck to everybody today getting the uh, the national awards. That's a, a once in a lifetime thing, and you know those awards get bigger and bigger. If this is college football, this is all people will be talking about for two weeks is the um, the Heisman Award. So let's uh, let's hope that everybody enjoys themselves out in Buffalo. Let's hope the weather's good. Let's hope you get some rest because Saturday's going to be another big day for you. Yeah, there might be a nap or two with my name on it coming up here. So. That's for sure. All right. So for Scott Strandy, I'm Tom Callahan. This has been the College Hockey Southwest Weekly Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody.